0: Hallelujah. Father, we worship you today. We're so thankful for your touch upon our life today. We're so thankful that you place your breath in our lungs today, that we can speak forth praise unto you. Lord, I ask you from the the amount of time that we have left remaining here this morning, I pray that your spirit, God, would be just manifested in every life today. Pray that you speak to our hearts today, enrich us today, strengthen us today before we leave this house today. No doubt, Lord, there's needs in the house that needs touch today, questions that may need answered today, struggles that people may be going through that need to be relieved from the struggle. And Father, you can do that today. You are Jehovah. You are a provider. You are our source today. And I pray that you touch your people today, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team, this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you will, book of Acts, chapter 2. Very familiar scripture over the last several months. I've preached out of this chapter, I don't know how many times, a lot of times. But we're going to be preaching out of it again today. And um, I want to talk to you this morning on this thought. What's so important about the church? What's so important about the church? We live in a day and a time where the church really is not important. We feel like the church is not important anymore. We feel like that we can get what we need off of television, off of um, Maybe friends that's pastors or whatever that we just call them up every now and then. Uh, But I remember a time when I was growing up, Sister Jeanette, the church was the main thing on Sundays. Everybody thought about church. It's not that way anymore. Matter of fact, you've heard me say this before, but there was even stores that wouldn't sell items on Sunday because it being a Sunday, the blue law. You remember that? Anybody old enough to remember that? How many is young enough that you can't remember what I'm talking about. (laughs) But that was actually a thing. Uh, you know, it was a blue law, they, they called it, and there were things in, in stores that they wouldn't sell to you, a lot of things. And uh, where I was growing up in South Mississippi, I mean, when you got, when Sunday morning rolled around, I mean, that was just a normal thing. Everybody got up to go to church, but we live in a day and time where there's so many things today that can take the place of church. There's so many activities that can take the place of church anymore that we have to we have to really watch ourselves because if we're not careful, we get out of the habit, so to speak, of going to church. And we miss the opportunity of really what God has in store for us. But I want to call your attention to Acts chapter 2. And the reason I want to preach on this today is on this thought is, you know, the scripture tells us that when we see the coming of the Lord coming, that, 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 that sooner, Brother rains, that we need to speak on these things more and more as we see His, his coming. So I want you look with me in Acts chapter 2. Look at verse number I have down 42, but Bruce, if we can, let's, stop, let's start back up at verse 40, if we can. Look at verse number 40. Verse number 40. The Bible says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to the church. The church was born during this, during this time here, the early church. And, the, and they continued, talking about the early church, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. Everybody say together. And they had all things in common. Sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, and they praised God. They had favor with all the people. And the Bible says the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. He added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, you'll probably already know this, but every one of us has particular needs when we come to the house of God. We have needs when we come. I want to talk about three of those needs this morning. I want to talk about the spiritual need that we have. I want to talk about the physical need that we have. And I want to talk about the social need that we have as as the body of believers. First thing, we know that church is important. What's so important about the church? We know that it's important because the spiritual need that we have in our heart that needs to be met. I don't know about you, but I enjoy coming to the house of God and feeling His presence. I understand and I know that everything is not based upon feeling. I, I get that. It's a walk of faith that we, that we have to walk in through, through Jesus Christ. But aren't you thankful that you can feel the presence of God? I'm thankful that we can feel His anointing. We can feel His presence. And when God shows up, we got to get out of the way and let God do what God wants to do. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the last three or four months that comes up and, we, and, and, and you know, inadvertently, church always comes up. And they'll say, Pastor, I, I'm going to this particular church, but I don't know that I want to go there because God's presence is not allowed to, be, to, to, to move. When God shows up, it's sort of like we, we shut it down. And, and there's all kinds of reasons maybe for those things, but I, I don't want to go to a church that doesn't allow God's presence to move. I want God's presence to move. Matter of fact, I want Him in charge. I don't want to be in charge. You don't want me in charge, and I don't want you in charge. I want Him in charge, right? And when He's in charge, everything else will be okay. We need and we, we, we have to have the presence of God to move in our life. Physical, so, so the spiritual needs. The Bible says here in verse 42 that they devoted themselves. When the early church was, was, was come about, they devoted themselves. If, if you and I want to understand the importance of attending church today, the best place we have to look is the ones who started this thing in the first place, the very first Christian church in Jerusalem. The first thing that we learn when we read this, this scripture is that all the believers devoted themselves They devoted themselves. Now, don't don't misunderstand me here. It it didn't mean that that they'd done away with their family and they'd done away with all their other responsibilities, but they devoted themselves to the cause of Christ. He was number one. The church was number one. The Christ was number one. This verb translated devoted is a common verb that said that we will keep on keeping on, if you will, with actions, we'll do things within the body of Christ. Now, this is not in my notes, and I'm not trying to get on to anybody this morning. But look, we've done, we've done talked about enough. It's not time for us to sit out. Amen. It's not time for us to slow up. It's not time for us to go backward. We've got to go forward in Jesus Christ. And so there's actions that we've got to do in this, in this devotion thing. This, this early church was completely sold out through the principles that the early disciples laid out. It was not a pastime for them. It was not a hobby for them. It was, it was, something, it was not something that they did because they had nothing else better to do, but rather it was something that was priority in their life. We've got to get to that place that the Lord is priority in our life. I'm not necessarily talking about the church. The churches. I know. And I know. I'm talking about that and then the church has its place, but Jesus is number one. When he is number one, everything else will fall into place, right? Everything else will fall and take care of itself. And so they did, what they did is devote themselves. Matter of fact, Luke tells us that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. Considering that Jesus spent much of his time when he was on on earth teaching the crowds, teaching his inner followers, his disciples, it's not surprising that teaching had an important place within the early church they wanted to learn the scriptures they wanted to be taught the scriptures they wanted to learn everything that there was about Jesus Christ and not only did they take a firm stand for the for Christ and with the apostles they also had a desire for instruction tell us what we need to do teach us to pray Teach us what we need to do about this particular thing and this particular thing. It was not, it was not enough for them to be merely have their foot in the door or to be part of a community. They had to have an insatisfiable desire and a hunger to learn more about their faith. This new faith that they had learned, this new relationship with Jesus Christ that they had received in their heart. They wanted to learn more and more about that. Let me ask you a question. How many of you remember when you first gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? Anybody, anybody remember that? How, how hungry you were. How, how thirsty you was just to learn more and more about the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was growing up, it seemed like as a, as a kid in dad's house, we was growing up and everybody all throughout the week, uh, members of the church, would come to the house or on Sunday night after church and they would sit down and I remember this as a kid just running around. They would sit down and I'd tell my dad I said, preach to me. Well, we just got through preaching just an hour or so before in Sunday morning, Sunday night church, but they wanted to hear the word. These were New Christians. These were these were men and women that had just given their heart to they couldn't get enough. Don't miss this. Where are we today? Where are we? Can we not get enough of the word? We're a Pentecostal church. I believe in the shout. I believe in the spoken tongue, but listen to me, as I told another pastor just the other day, it's not the shout or the tongue that's going to carry you through the struggle. Amen. It's going to be the Word of God that carries us through the struggle. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work through the Word of God. Through the Word of God. The next thing here Luke tells us is is that they were devoted to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Fellowship Fellowship was experienced in the process of teaching. While they taught, while they was learning, they had fellowship with one another. That word that we call koinonia, it's an association of involving a mutual relationship, a close mutual relationship in involvement with people. It involves us. The Lord wants us to involve ourselves with one another. His desire is that we get to know one another better. His desire is that we learn from one another. Iron sharpens iron, does it not? And so we learn from one another. We experience things with one another. We pray for one another. We lay hands on each other. We lift one another up. We, we, we try when they're, when they're down, we lift them up. When they're going through those good times or bad times, we are there with those individuals as the body of Christ. And it's carried it with an idea of a partnership, if you will. We're partners together. Philippians 1 and 5 says, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, he said. Until now. But in the 19 occurrences of "cornelia," that word fellowship, in the New Testament, it suggests that the church used this word for a a unique sharing that Christians have with God and with other Christians. Aren't you thankful we have this unique fellowship with the Lord? We have this unique fellowship with our brothers and sisters. It was more than just simply getting together. Although that's important, but it was more than that. It was a partnership in the purposes of the church and the sharing of its message together and the work. And so they had fellowship with one another. They stayed with one another. They met in house to house with one another. They met in a church together. They met out at the lake together. They met out on the hillside together. They just got together to learn about the word of God. Amen. The other thing the Bible tells us here is that they were devoted to sharing in meals. Now, I know we all like that. We like to share in meals. You you know, we, we we have to talk about that. But this this phrase here literally means the breaking of bread. Believers could not observe the Lord's Supper in the temple back then. So this was done in their homes at first in connection with the meal. And since Jesus instituted it at the close of the Passover meal, he talked about the breaking of bread together. The last thing that we have to understand is we've got to break bread together. It's wonderful that we can come together in communion as we do or the breaking of bread. We take the Lord's uh, Supper, the, the body and the blood that we remember. Remember what the lord done but not only that it's good for us to come together in fellowship now i don't know about you but i know church of god folk they like to fellowship with food this church we like to fellowship with food matter of fact i don't like to get together unless there's something to eat can you tell it's the fellowshipping together that we have with one another the other thing that they talked about is that they were devoted that was they, were, they was devoted most importantly to this devoted to prayer Prayer is the key. How many knows that? Prayer is the key. This emphasis here on prayer. In the early church, prayer was, was a high priority and an important part of their life together. Prayer was an integral part of their daily life. What, it, what did it do, Pastor? It kept them connected together. It kept them connected together. I will tell you, it's hard to fuss at somebody when they're praying for you. Hello? It's hard to be mad at somebody when they're weeping over you. You know what I'm talking about. But when we don't pray and when we don't weep, sometimes it's easy to get upset with somebody within the church. Now, we've talked about this before. We're all family together. And so as families do, we fuss sometimes, and we'll complain sometimes, and, and we'll make up and all those things. That's part of being a family. But it's tough to be upset with somebody when they're weeping over you. When they're praying over you, amen. So we've got to continue to pray. It's got to be an integral part of our daily life. In Acts, there was much about prayer. There is much activity about the Holy Spirit. And where there's much activity about the Holy Spirit, then there's going to be much activity with prayer, amen. Prayer is the key. There's an old story I read. Some of you have heard this old story before, but I'll just go ahead and tell you about it. Mr. Jones one day called his pastor from the hospital. And he, was, he got on the phone, and he was just really upset. He said, Pastor, you got to come quick. My son John was bitten by a rattlesnake, and at the, he's at the point of death. And the pastor, he hurried to the aid of this, of this father. And, and when he got there, the father said, Pastor, will want not you pray for my son? He said, I promise the Lord that if my son recovers, I'll come back to church. I'll bring my family back to church, and we'll start living for the Lord again if God heals my son. So the pastor started praying, and the pastor said, Dear Lord, we come to you now on behalf of Mr. Jones' son. We pray that he might recover from this snake bite. We want to praise your name for sending this rattlesnake to bite John. This one rattlesnake has done what I or the church was unable to do in the life of Mr. Jones now for five years. During all of this time, he has not been interested in spiritual well-being. He's not been interested in spiritual well-being or or, or of his family. But this one rattlesnake has turned his mind back to you. Lord, Could it be what we need in the lives of many other church members are bigger and better rattlesnakes? (laughs) I don't know about you, but I don't want no rattlesnake to cause me to change my mind serving God. How about you? So they had prayer. They developed prayer. So that was a spiritual need that they had. The other thing that they had was was a, and we all have spiritual needs. God created us that way. He created us that way. He also calls these spiritual needs to be filled. And this is what I want you to get. He he calls it to be filled in the community, uh, in the context of community, rather. Of how we get together. How we fellowship with one another. We have community with one another. People like to say, well, I can pray and I can read my Bible at home. Unfortunately, most don't do these at home. Some may, but most don't. And we have spiritual needs like the need to be prayed for and the need to be encouraged and the need to be cared for that can only happen in the community of believers. Think about this. Hebrews 10 and 24. The Bible tells us, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approach. All the more so. Choosing to stay away from church is like telling God I can do this all by myself. I can do this by myself. He, he has created a means by which your most important needs to be met. And to ignore that is the same as telling God, I don't want your help, God. It's like being really sick and refusing to go to the doctor. It's like being really empty but passing the gas stations for the hunt for the next hundred miles. You're gonna run out of gas eventually, right? It's like dying of thirst, but refusing to to drink the water. Life is tough enough without ignoring the spiritual help that God provides. And I believe with all of my heart that God wants us and desires us to be involved with his anointing, with his spirit, and with one another in the sense of community. So we have spiritual needs. The other thing that this chapter in Acts chapter 2 talked about, about the early church, they had physical needs that had to be met. Physical needs. We do look down to verse 43 and 45. They shared everything the Bible said. Now, I know we live in a different day and time, but they shared everything. We have have physical needs caused by sickness sometimes. While doctors and hospitals can do much of that, they cannot take care of everything. There's some things that only God can take care of. And we've got to trust God to fix those things. Luke tells us about the early church that there was a deep sense of awe that came over all of them. And the apostles performed many many miraculous signs and wonders in their midst. And those miracles was an important thing of the presence and the power of Almighty God that we were talking about the other week. Signs and wonders, listen to me. Signs and wonders still should be normal wherever the gospel is spread. I still believe that God heals. I still believe that God can set free. I still believe that God can break the chains that has us back. I still believe in miraculous things given by Almighty God. Amen. Amen. I don't don't want you to understand it. Pathway, here at this church, we believe that God's still in the miracle-working business. Amen. James chapter 5 says, Anybody sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven as well. Now, that's another no-hold message in itself. But they'll be forgiven as well. I want you to notice here this 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 criteria for being healed is for you to come to ask for prayer from the elders of the church. The ball is in our court sometimes. We've got to do those things. Our aspects of our physical, other aspects of our physical needs involve food, involve clothing. And Luke tells us that all the believers of that day, they met together in one place and they shared everything that they had. One of the best examples I can give you of this is when we was over in Honduras and the guys that went, they know what I'm talking about. You can give a plate of food or a sack of candy to one of those children over there. Most children today in America, well, maybe not all of them, but most children, you'll give them that plate of food or you'll give them that sack of candy and it's mine. It's all mine and don't you put your hand on it. It's mine. You know what I'm talking about, right? But one thing I've noticed over there in Honduras with some of the children, even some of the adults, when you give them a sack of candy, you give them the food, the first thing they'll do is turn to their brother or sister or somebody a friend and share with them. They didn't have anything to start with, but they'll share. They shared everything that they had. One night in a particular church, and, and the guys will remember this, we was giving out candy, and it seemed like we'd give candy to the same person over and over again, probably 15, 20 times. They just come getting back in line. But you didn't mind doing that because you understood they're going to go and they're going to share it with everybody else that they was around that didn't have any candy. They was going to give that candy or that food away. Some of the things and some of the, some of the plates that we, that we got, the church fixed that probably we couldn't eat. There were some people there that could eat it, and we would just, you know, here, you, you probably need this better than I do. You know, because we didn't want to get sick and all that, so we just shared. But first thing they did, they always found somebody else to share that food with. Their willingness to share everything that they had. To share everything that they had. Showed the the extent they were family. They were family. They, 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 They held everything in common. It was not a socialism thing. It was not a communism thing. It was a voluntary thing. Because they were family together. All their goods was not evenly distributed, but they were given to meet the needs as one needed something. Whatever the need was, they met that need. That's the love of Christ at work. That's the early church today. And we've got to learn as the church today to get our examples from that particular church. We've got to share with those things. Many of them even sold pieces of land they owned and personal property. The money was distributed to those in need. Why, Why, Pastor? Because the believers then, Sister Lawson, was so near the cross. They understood the message of the cross and the resurrection. They were so filled with the Spirit that for a while, selfishness was swallowed up in love. We could learn something from that, right? We could learn something. How many knows that the church is about family today? The church is a family. We are family today. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. First Corinthians twelve twenty six says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of it. We're the body of Christ. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one is sick, we all are sick. When one lacks, we all lack. Church is about sharing. Sharing with those in need. Sharing with those who don't know where, where, where to turn. Sharing with those who, who need, to, who, who need a, a hand up, in other words. Church is about caring. Caring for one another when we're down. Caring for one another when we're sick. Caring for one another when we have lost hope. But it's hard for us to care when we're not here with one another. We've got to be together in a body of community. That's why church is so important today. That's why church is so important. So they had the physical need that had to be met. But not only that, according to this chapter here, they had social needs that had to be met. They had some social needs. What are you talking about, pastor? They begin to worship together. They begin to worship together. Just as important as the spiritual and the physical need, we've got to be accepted and loved by others. When visitors come to our church, they want to see if there's somebody there I can identify with. They want to see if there's somebody there that's going to be polite to me, going to be kind to me. There's going to be a somebody there that's going to shake my hand. So when you see a visitor and you see somebody new to our church, don't just, you need to go up to them and, and shake their hand. Introduce yourself to them. Tell them who you are. Tell them you're glad to have them to the body of Christ. Amen. That's how we grow the body of Christ. We have social needs. Luke says that the early church, they worshiped together at the temple every day. They met at home for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They had the Lord's Supper at homes and on hillsides, wherever the case. They shared with one another. What does it mean to be worshiped together, Pastor? It means to be just closely and continuously with, to stay close and associate closely with. Now, I understand that we've got work schedules, and we've got all kind of things that we've got to do, itineraries and all of that. I'm not talking about any of that. But when we have the opportunity, we're supposed to, according to the Word of God, come together to worship Him. Amen. And this kind of blows the whole argument when you think about this, that I can worship God at home alone. The worship of God was meant to be done in community. Listen to this. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, it says this. And when they had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. They sang a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Verse 11 says, then I looked again and I heard voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne of the living beings and the elders. And they sang a mighty chorus that said, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang blessing and honor, glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne, to the lamb forever and ever. Now let me ask you a question. Does that sound like to you? that we're going to be worshiping God alone in heaven. Uh Uh-uh. There's going to be thousands and millions worshiping and giving God praise. Why, Pastor? Because God created us to have fellowship with Him and one another. Created us to have fellowship with Him and one another. They just didn't worship together. They They just didn't eat together. They shared their meals with joy and generosity. And it's just as important for you and I today. Outside even of worship, for us to come together at times. Don't you notice that they enjoyed one another's company? The joy came from the heart they, because people were not trying to impress anybody. They had developed an attitude toward each other that enabled them to truly enjoy one another. What happens when that happened? Luke says all the, all the while when they got together, they was praising God. They was enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day, the Bible says, the Lord added to the church. When they done this he added to the church see when God's people come together and they enjoy fellowship and they begin to praise God that's the natural result is simply praising God when we come together the natural result is for us to lift his name right and to glorify him true fellowship focuses on God and helps people to remember good things which he's done of all ages of all races Red, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in His side, right? And we come together to love and to glorify God. And not only that, we come together to love one another and to fellowship with one another. They see their unity. They see devotion of God, their daily worship in the temple. They begin to help one another socially. They begin to help the needs of others. We've got to have one another. We need one another. We were created with a need for human contact. We were created with a, with a natural dependency on one another. Every one of us need a place where we can get away from the pressures of life and find real meaning in our lives. And sometimes that's just getting together and talking with one another, sharing with one another. Being with others is good for us. It's not a bad thing. It's good for us. It helps us spiritually. It helps us psychologically. It helps us physically. We've got a place where we can feel accepted. Sometimes, as the old show, and I don't mean to bring this up, but it's, it's a good little song. You've got to go where everybody knows your name. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, and that's okay. Not to the beer house. To the church house. You just want to know where somebody that somebody knows you Understands what you're going through. I don't know about you, but it happened to me this morning I had somebody come up to me this morning and say pastor. I just want to let you know. I love you I just want to let you know that you're the man I just want to let you know that I appreciate everything that you've done Now I appreciate that And we all appreciate that when that happens to us we we enjoy hearing those kind of things We enjoy because it's fellowship of, of one another church is that place we're, we're all the same here. We're all, aren't you thankful for this, that we are all sinners saved by grace here. We're all sinners saved by grace. We're all in this thing together. We're all just as important as everybody else. The bottom line is church is good for us. What's so important about the church? There's physical needs that can be met. There's spiritual needs that can be met. There's a social need that can be met. Amen. Every one of us is just like the one. We all, we all make mistakes. Amen. We all mess up from time to time. We all have to come back to God and ask forgiveness from time to time. But at the same time, we know that we have a Father that loves us and cares for us. Amen. Oh, Michelle, if she will, just to come to the piano, just to play something softly. I I don't want any other musicians to come. But why is the church so important? Why is it important to you? I asked you a few weeks ago, why do you come to church? Or maybe it was last week. Why do you come? Why do you come? I don't know if you've thought about that over this week, but why do you come? Why do you make the attempt to get out of bed, get dressed on a Sunday or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or whenever we have services, revival services? and Why, why do you make the attempt to come? Is it because we just there's something that we do? Is it because that's how we was brought up and so we can't break the habit? Or is it something, Sister Lawson, that we really have a need that we've got to be met when we get to the house of God? We've got to find where Jesus is. We've got to feel Jesus moving in our life. We've got to sense his spirit moving in our life. Why do we come? What's so important about the church? Now, I don't know about you, and I don't mean to get off on this, but I get a little righteous indignation to rise up within me when somebody's talking about the church. Because the church, to me, is a place where I've been saved. The church to me, Brother Michael, is a place where I've got my needs met. It's a place where I feel at home. It's a place where I feel comfortable. It's a place where I'm not inhibited in my worship. It's a place where I can stand and lift my hands in praise or I can just stand there and weep. I can come down to the altar. I can seek Him, Maryland, wherever. I'm not inhibited in my worship in the church because the church is there to touch us. The church is there to meet needs. It's easy sometimes for us to talk about the church, but I want to tell you something. It's the church that'll be the first one to stand up and help you. It's the church that'll stand up and be willing to give to you. It's the church that'll take out of their resources to give to you, and that's what it's supposed to do. I'm not saying that's It's, it's what it's supposed to do. And we, we, we help all kinds of people all throughout the week. Every day almost. I'll have somebody to call or come by needing help, and we bless them, we pray for them, and we ask God to God, you touch them and you take them in the direction you want them to go. Gives us gives us opportunity to minister in this church. Last week you took up around fourteen hundred dollars, I believe, that we sent to Louisiana on Monday morning to the flood victims. The state of Arkansas, I met with the overseer Dwayne, and I went down on Thursday. I think it was. I was amazed. He sent out a request from all the churches in Arkansas to take up an offering to play the video of of, uh, Brother Hill. He said, I was expecting about $5,000 to come in. Do you know he's got close to $30,000 that's been sent in to go to Louisiana? (laughs) Why is that, Pastor? It's the church. There was a need. There was a need. I could give you story after story of people in this church that there were needs that was that come up, that arose out of conflict and trouble trouble and struggle, and the church met the need. Why? Because that's what the church does. Spiritual needs, physical needs, social needs that is met within the church. I want every head bowed and every eye closed while you just are seated there in this pew. I want to ask you today, I know this message is a little different than last week's. The intent is on purpose. But at the same time, I want to ask you, why do you come to church? If Jesus Christ would come back today, are you ready to go? If Jesus was to come back and for His church, are you ready to make heaven your home? Is there struggles? Is there things in your life that It's causing you to be alienated or fragmented from the church. I understand in the church sometimes things don't go right. Sometimes in the church things don't go maybe the way you like it. Some things don't go the way I like it sometimes. But are we allowing those things to dictate to us our relationship with Christ? Because if we are, It's not anybody else's fault, it's ours. We've got to do some examination on our heart. We've got to ask the Spirit of God to come back in us that we can minister, we can forgive, we can accept forgiveness, and we can do our part that God has called us to do. Why do you come to church? You say, Pastor, I'm here today and I'm lost. I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I'm here today and for whatever reason, I'm not as close to the Lord. Is I need to be, and I need to draw closer to Him. If that's you, I want you just to lift up your hand and put it right back down. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front today, but I, want to, I do want to pray for you. I want to give my heart to the Lord. I want to surrender my life. If that's you, just put your hand up, put it right back down. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you, God, for everything that you mean to us today. We thank you for your strength. We thank you for your guidance. We thank you, Lord, because we know that you're in charge. I'm grateful for that. Lord, you see this congregation today. You saw, I believe, one hand that I would noticed anyway that was lifted up. You know their heart today. I pray that if they're lost, I pray that if they're not following you the way that they need to, I pray, God, that they surrender their heart and their life over to you afresh and anew. Lord, if there are those that's here today and we've not been fellowshipping with that of fellowship that your word talks about, help us, oh God, put something within us. I know all of us are made up differently. I get that, God. I understand that. Some may be more outgoing than others and some may be backwards than others. I, I understand that. But God, help us to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ to uphold and lift up one another. Lord, if there are those that are sitting under the sound of my voice, I pray that you minister strength to them. Encourage them today to continue to follow after you. We'll give you thanks. We'll give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen and amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah.